It, it really is good to be here. Uh, I was in uh, Holland this morning, ha- had a preach there, and uh, it's great not having to have an interpreter, so uh, translator or whatever. And so um, hopefully you won't have to translate it. But um, it's just it's just really great that um, I was able to be here, and I've never been to Manchester in my life, so I'm looking forward to being in Manchester, and 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 I and so it's fun. I've got one wife. It's really cool, and and we've been married 38 years, and. <laughs> Uh, 38 years this March, and uh, I've got three married sons and five grandchildren. And uh, uh, you don't know this. Uh, is this being recorded? Yes. Uh, I, okay, it's being recorded. Uh, so uh, we, we got some more coming, I reckon, you know, by faith. And so, so uh, we're encouraging them anyway. So, and and uh, uh, they're a pretty safe family, so we try to figure it all out. And so... Uh, that's that's us. I, I ha, uh, pastored a number of churches uh, for about 26, 27 years. Started pastoring when I was 27, 26, 26. I think that's too old. We need to start younger. And so uh, I'm going to challenge some folks over the next few days. And I leave on Wednesday, so you know, just uh, I'll leave you with it all, and then uh, I'll go. But um, I handed over our church in 2008, uh, and we we've uh, travelled around um, Europe and lived in Amsterdam for about three years, uh, and aiming to ignite church planting movements. That's what we. That's my the mission that God has given to us. So had that dream in 1989, and uh, it's taken this long to see it starting to take place. So uh, if you're in a hurry, um, sorry, sometimes it doesn't just like microwave Christianity. I wish it would just like happen, but it doesn't. And so uh, that's what we do. So I'm in Europe three times a year. We live in New Zealand again, just by Hobbitsville. If you look really carefully, uh, I've got hairy feet. And uh, so... And, and so we, uh, uh, I'm in Europe three times this year and uh, traveling around New Zealand, Australia, a little bit in India, America. And so, so that's what we do. So I just thought I'd let you know that. So just to, so you know a little bit, because there's always a context in, in which somebody speaks. Amen. So, so it's just great to be here. Thank you for the privilege of allowing me to speak. I've used up the first, about the first 10 minutes. So we've got another three minutes to go. Okay. So... <laughs> Um, God is a wonderful God. He really is. That's what I've discovered over the last 41 years. And he's more gracious than what I give him credit for, you know, earlier. He handles our humanity better than we do. He handles me better than I do. God is an amazing God who lives with us. He's in us. He, God is with us. Emmanuel, God, which means... Which means God talk with us. God with us. Yeah. He's with us. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. Your address is his address. His address is your address. Where you go, God is. God is with you. He lives in you. And because of that, you're not a you're not a tomb, you're a temple. You have somebody, not something, you have somebody in you. You have God. The Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit in you. He lives in you. So you have hope to give to this world. You have life. You have love. You have resurrection power flowing through your body. 
uh, it, it's pretty exciting, I reckon. And so, because so, uh, I need his resurrection power, especially my age. Like, it's like, you know, and so, and so uh, God is so with us and he has given you faith. And so I want to talk about that tonight, this whole faith deal. Of course, we won't cover everything, but just a few thoughts on faith. Is that okay? Yes. Because you have faith. So I'm not saying that you've got to get faith, because you, if you have asked Christ to come into your life, if you've uh, repented from your sin, turned to God, following Jesus, doing the best you can, amen, he handles you better than, uh, amen. So, 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 so if you've done that, uh, you have faith. God is in you. you. Faith is in you. So how can we develop uh, that faith? Do you want to hear some really good news? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Who has faith here tonight? Anybody has faith here tonight? Yeah. Amen, you all do. The really good news is God has more faith in you than you will ever have of God. He believes in you. He has faith in you. He chose you. You didn't choose God. God chose you. God put his hand on you. God tagged you. God, God doesn't just come and live in front, above, below, beside, behind us. He lives in us. He didn't just send like somebody. He sent his son, Jesus, and lives in us. God the Father, in fact, the Godhead lives in us. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy lives in you and I. The one who created the heavens and the earth lives in you and I. We have faith. And we can activate that faith. And I tell you what, if you don't activate that faith, Christianity's boring, it's horrible, it's terrible, get out of it now. It's just too difficult, it's just too hard. Without faith, it is, uh, Hebrews 11, 6, without faith, it is, what? Impossible to what? To please the one that we love and, and want to serve. It is impossible to please God without faith. So we kind of kind of need to hear this message on faith. Not once, but maybe you've heard a message. Who's ever heard a message on faith? Oh, good. Because you need to hear it. We need to hear it so many times, don't we? Because faith is an action word. There was a tightrope walker. He, uh, uh, in, in last century, right at the beginning of last century, some of you were alive then, and and so uh, a well-known tightrope worker, true story, placed a cable across the Niagara Falls, and he walked across, and everybody's going, woohoo, yeah, you know, you can be the crowd, okay? So he walked across, and the crowd went. Whoa, and, and then he walked back across the Niagara Falls, you know, like this. The falls don't stop, by the way, they just carry on. So he's walking back across the falls, and the crowd goes, Whoa, man. That's, and, and so, and then he said, How many? And he takes a wheelbarrow and he, and he uh, walks across the tightrope with the wheelbarrow. <laughs> Crazy guy. And so, and he goes on, on one side, gets the other side, and then he comes back, and the crowd goes, Come on, from the back row to the front. The crowd goes what? Whoa, man, that's amazing. Then he said, who, who, really, who really believes that I could walk across this with somebody in the wheelbarrow? And of course, the whole crowd goes, yeah, we do, yeah. Now, I want to really hear it, okay? I hear you enjoy football. Uh, and so, uh, so, so the crowd goes, yeah. I mean, who, can, who really wants, like, who believes that this guy can walk across with somebody in the wheelbarrow and the crowd goes, yeah. 
yeah. Says, and, then he, and then he asked the next question. And he says, and, and I tell you what, who wants to hop in the wheelbarrow? <laughs> they all believed. But they didn't have faith to hop in the wheelbarrow. You probably give it a go. Well, I've seen him do it a few times. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah, but yeah, but okay, you've seen him do it a few. Uh, okay, all right then, good on you. Yeah, yeah. Want to carry on preaching? On it. It's good. And so. And no one sort of like, apart from a young girl, no one comes forward and says, I want to hop in the wheelbarrow. So no one comes forward and so, he, so he's like, yeah, but who believes? And so the crowd's really silent. You know, there's no yes or wows or anything. They all believe. Except the little boy comes walking to the front, pushes his way through the crowd, comes to the front. The guy actually has to put him into the wheelbarrow, that little, and he walks across. And then he comes back again. The crowd goes... Whoa. The crowd goes, whoa. That little boy had faith. That's what faith is. It's an action word. So throughout this message, just think of some of the actions that perhaps God wants you to take hold of. God has put his DNA in you. God has put his hand in you. God, God has put his hand on you. Not to just do nothing. He's put his hand, he's chosen you. You didn't choose God. He chose you. He put some, he, he, he did something inside your heart that, he did something inside my heart that enabled me to reach out to God. Uh, and sometimes I thought, I thought for many years that I chose God. Man, I'm, man, he's so blessed that, you know, I'm, I'm in his kingdom, you know, like, wow, you know. But no, no, he chose me. He put his hand on me. Because he has a work for me to do. He has things for me to do. And he has nations for us to reach. God, he said, what did he say in Matthew 28? It's there somewhere. Go. We say come. But he says go and we say come. And he says go and we say come. He says what? What does he say? Go and we say come. What does God say? Go and we say come. And then go make disciples of the, of the what? The nations go make disciples of the world. Like, like, what is this? There's more resource in this room than when he first spoke to those disciples. Yeah. He doesn't want you to just reach one or two people. That's good too. That, that's necessary, of course. We start with one or two, three or four. But he wants you to reach nations. So I wonder how many nations God's put on your heart. If you dare to sort of like take the faith step and admit that, wow. I mean, if he can talk to uh, uh, somebody in, the, like, in, in New Zealand, does anybody know where that is? Yeah. <laughs> Just off the coast of Australia. <laughs> if, he can, if he can talk to somebody like that and, 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 and we get involved in Europe, it's like, like why would you choose... That's a question I'm going to ask. Why would you choose me? Come get involved in, in Europe and spark that sort of deal up. You know, what, what, what's that about? If you can do that with me, you can do it with you. You're here. You have real money. Yeah. And so, and, and, and so God has given you faith. What are you, what are you going to do? What are, you going to, what are you going to do with it? The boy, by the way, was his son. Friends, we have a... You knew that already, didn't you? No, I 
Yeah, oh, okay. Oh. The kid's parents, the father was crazy. The mother probably wasn't there because she didn't want to see this. But, uh, but the father was there, you know. And, and we have a heavenly father too. And we're his kids. Yeah. And we can trust him. That little boy trusted his father. Yeah. How's your trust? How's the trust quotient in your life? Actually, that's the seedbed of faith. That's another story. How's your trust? What's he asking you to do? What's your wildest dream that he's given to you? He's given you an imagination, and we stop using our imagination when we're younger, but God has given us an amazing imagination. And In fact, the word uh, in, in Matthew where it says, love the Lord your God, you can repeat it with me, love the Lord your God with all your heart and mind and soul and strength. That, that word mind can be easily translated. It actually is translated, if you look at it, Imagination, So that helps me. Love the Lord your God with all your imagination, Helen. I wonder what's in your, what, what, what God wants to place in your imagination through the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Reaching nations? That's crazy. But we're starting to see it take place. Yeah. <laughs> the currency of the kingdom is faith. Promises are received through faith. Healings take place through faith. Miracles happen through faith. Churches are planted and multiplying through faith. Mission is achieved through faith. Property is purchased through faith. God's call is actioned with faith. Nothing happens without faith. If you want a boring, non-demanding kind of life, well then don't activate your faith. Shut off this message right now. But if you want an exciting kind of life, wow, begin to action, have faith. And not just exciting kind of life, it's the kind of life that God wants you to live, the kind of life that you were born for, the kind of life that God has, has, is dreaming for you. Is a faith kind of life. The book of Acts is, this is, this is, this is amazing uh, revelation, Ben. The book of Acts, it's called the book of Acts. It's unbelievable, that, isn't it? It's not called the book of beliefs. It's called the book of Acts. The Acts of the Holy Spirit, the Acts of the Apostles. It's the only one of the only books in the Bible that's ever, it's not finished properly. Why? Because it's still being written today by, by faith. Uh, Dr. Yongi Cho, I think we've got it on the screen. Dr. Yongi Cho said, faith and doubt will always, always exist together. Believing is choosing faith over doubt. I think we got it up on the screen somewhere. It's okay. Faith and doubt will always... So if you doubt, that's okay. Faith and doubt always exist together. Believing is choosing faith over doubt. Corrie Teen Boom, uh, let's just go to that one. Corrie Teen Boom, Dutch lady, uh, and, and many of you, have you ever heard of Corrie Teen Boom uh, in the prison camps and things? She said, faith is believing in the character of God when life demands the opposite. And let me tell you some news tonight. Life at times will demand the opposite of what you actually expect or think's going to happen.
seven and a half years ago, uh, we had a, the week we announced that we were finishing with our church and moving into a new season, announced that on the Sunday, Tuesday evening, our first grandson was born. So exciting. Moving into a whole new season. Except this little guy didn't breathe. There's so many things wrong with him. He died a number of times in the next six months on the operating table. Faith is believing in the character of God when life demands the opposite. What are you going to do with those questions? A son and, and daughter-in-law, they just serve God. They, they, they just love Jesus. I mean, he's, he, he goes around the country speaking and, and seeing people healed comes home to this little boy who still breathes with a trachea, tracheotomy. Uh, he's got um, n- numerous conditions. And, and he goes to school. They said he wouldn't even live. They wouldn't even get past that. And I was talking with him one day. He was in a uh, large hospital in Auckland. And we were walking back. They were staying there. And he was, again, in hospital right at the beginning of his life. And I was walking back. I said, Josh, how, uh, how, how, how's it going? He's a worship leader. He writes songs. He works with, a little bit with Jesus culture and stuff. And I said, how's, how's it going, Josh? He said, oh, it's good. I said, no, no, no. Hang on, mate. How's it really going? Yeah? He says, no, it's, it's, it's going okay. It's, it's good. He says, I've learned something, Dad. He says, I, God is good all the time. And it's not just a phrase to him. It's not just a cliche to him. God is good all the time. Is God good all the time? What say if something doesn't work out the way you think it's going to work out? Is, is God still good for you? Or is, he, is, is it all sort of like turned to custard right there, you know? Because faith, faith is believing in the character of God when life demands the opposite. How about this one? Let's have a look at Bill Johnson's quote. It's, it's, it's the, walk of, the walk of faith is to live according to the revelation we've received in the midst of the mysteries we can't explain. And there will be many mysteries in our lives. What are you going to do with that? You can answer that tonight by saying, I'm going to live the life of faith. I'm going to make a decision tonight before I have to make a decision. I'm going to make a decision. I'm going to make a decision to walk the life of faith. I'm going to keep believing God no matter what hell comes my way. What mysteries. You will have mysteries that you will not be able to explain. C.S. Lewis had many mysteries that he could not explain. He didn't know why his wife passed away when his son asked him. He says, I don't know. I said, I thought, what? You don't know? One of the greatest minds of the, of, 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 of the 20th century, the last century, and yet he didn't know. I thought he'd have the answer. I was watching the movie Shadowlands. Anybody seen that movie? Shadowlands, I'm just watching it. Oh, he's got the answer. Great. He's got an answer. And he he didn't know. Learn to live with mystery. The walk of faith is to live according to the revelation we have received in the midst of the mysteries that you can't explain. Turn with me if you would. We're going to look very quickly. Turn with me if you would to 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 8 to 16. Let's have a look at that, the Old Testament. And uh, it's uh, 1 Kings chapter 17. It's about Elijah. We're going to look at two prophets, Elijah and Elisha, two widows and two families. Is that okay? Turn to somebody and say, that's okay. 
Okay, First Kings, I hope so. It's First Kings chapter 17. There's a famine in the land. We pick up the scripture. First Kings chapter 17, verse 8. And the Lord said to Elijah, Go and live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Zidon. I have instructed a widow there to feed you. I hope I'm not talking too fast, but I just want to get through this really quick. And I've only got about another few minutes to go. Otherwise, Ben will kick me in the shins. And so, so he... It's true. Verse 10. So he went to Zarephath. He arrived at the the gates of the village. He saw a widow gathering sticks. And he asked her, would you please bring me a little water and a cup? As she was going to get it, he called to her, bring me a bite of bread too. But she said, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. And I only have a handful of flour left in a jar and a little cooking oil on the bottom of the jug. And I'm just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal. And then my son and I are going to die. Oh, whoops. Wrong lady. (laughs) That's what I would have thought. But no, no, he prophesied to the situation. And Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go ahead, do just what I've said, but make me a little bread first. Then use what's left to prepare the meal for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. There will always, everybody say always. There will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the last, until the time when the Lord sends rain and crops to grow again. So she did, as Elijah said. And she and Elijah and her son, she and Elijah and her son continued to eat for... Many days. There was always, everybody say always? There was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. Turn with me to the second story. Here's Elisha in 2 Kings. That's after 1 Kings. 2 Kings chapter 4 verse 1 to 6a. 2 Kings chapter 4 verse 1 uh, through. And the day the widow of the member of the group of the prophets came to Elisha and cried out, My husband who served you is dead. Happy story. And you know how he feared the Lord. He was, he was what we would call today a person who followed Jesus, a person who followed God. And, but now the creditor has come threatening to take my two sons as slaves because she couldn't pay the debts, you see. And so Elisha asks, what can I do to help you? Tell me what do you have in your house? She answers what we would answer actually first of all. We'd probably answer this too. Nothing at all. Friends, you have enough in your home. You have enough in your house. You have enough in your life for a miracle to take place. There is enough in this house of God for a miracle to take place. You might think you have nothing. You have something. You have God. You have a little bit of oil, the Holy Spirit. That's all you need, a little bit of oil and a miracle will take place. Oh, that sounds so cool. (laughs) Miracle begins to take place. Amen? So nothing at all except a flask of olive oil, she replied. And Elisha said, borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. Go into your house with your son, shut the door behind you, pour olive oil from the flask in the jars, setting one aside when it's filled. So she did as she was told, and her sons kept bringing her jars, and she filled one after the other. Soon every container was full to the brim, and one of the boys said, bring, uh, one, uh, she said to the boy, bring me another jar. And, uh, and he said, there aren't any more, he told her. Three questions. Number one, how is your situation? The two stories we heard about, pretty desperate, don't you think? They were going to die. One was going to die. One was going to have the, the, the husband had just passed away. No social welfare there. No family start thing happening. No family thing happening then. So here she is. She's, the, the creditors come in, take two sons away. You're going to be slaves. You don't do that to a mum without a fight. 
Any mums here? Yeah. Okay. Pretty desperate. Maybe you're in a desperate situation. That's okay. You know why? Because faith works in desperate situations. And maybe you're not in a desperate situation, but can I really encourage you to get into a desperate situation? In other words, what I'm saying is keep hungry and keep thirsty for God. Young person, keep hungry and keep thirsty for God. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, that they shall be satisfied. God works through hungry people. God works through thirsty people. Maybe you're in a crazy, desperate situation. That's okay. Faith works here. God is allowing that to take place. So faith is beginning to get some grit and gut in you. It's okay. Do you know the God who makes a way where there is no way? I can tell you story after story. There's a God who makes a way where there is no way. How are we going to get through with our first grandson? Like, what is that all about? That same week, my mum was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. Oh, this is a great start to a new season. Do you know the God that makes a way where there is no way? What about, I was leading a church. We, we, we had to find thousands and thousands of dollars every week just to, like, how's that going to work when the, when the offerings are down? What about when we're trying to plant churches around the world and we're believing for another quarter of a million dollars plus a building program that was like taking huge finances? What is God? I went to the, I went to the offer one day and it was just after church on a Sunday we had a, some, a couple of services in the morning and I went after I just looked at my tray and there was an envelope there and I saw the it, I opened it and oh there's a check in there that's nice, it's nice just before lunch and so I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the check and I'm wow a thousand bucks, no it wasn't it was a it was hundred thousand dollars just, just for mission, don't know who the check was from to this day, God makes a way where there is no way, did we need the money? Absolutely. Do you know how desperate is your situation? Faith works here. Number two, second question. We got three, three hundred of them. No, no, two, three questions, something like that. This, this is is a powerful question. This is prophetic for this church. So I felt to preach on this. How much does God supply? Oh, he, just, he just supplies everything. Yeah, oh, but, yeah, but hang on. Man. I, I want to I quantify it now. How, how much does he really supply? How much is he going to supply you? It's very easy to believe for the person next to you, but how much is he going to supply you? How much is he going to supply this church? Well, you know, we look at the story with the jars, and imagine if she said, this, this, this mum, who we don't know her name, by the way, we don't know any of their names, uh, but here's the story, and the mum says, boys, you know, it's a little bit embarrassing, this guy's a bit of a, a, a funny guy, he's like Elisha, he's a bit, you know, strange, but let's just work with it, he's looking, and so let's just work with it, and uh, just go to a few neighbours that you know, don't tell them what we want, but mum wants it for cooking or something, just get some of these pots, these jars that he talks about, and, 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 and we'll do our best to fill it with oil, it sounds a bit crazy, doesn't it? Yeah, it's not kind of like usual, that kind of stuff. 
what, he, what, the, what, the, what the prophet's prophesying. So, he's, so she goes out and, and, and the boys go out and she comes back with like 11 jars. They're big pots. They're big, big clay pots. All mid-sizes, big size, you know. The boys are strong, they're men, you know, young men. Pulling these pots. 12. Did I say 12? 11. Sorry, 11. Let me ask you this question. When did the oil stop flowing? After the third one? After the tenth one? When did the oil stop flowing? Talk to me, it's okay. When? when, when well, after the 11th. Uh, clever church. After the 11th pot. Doesn't say how many pots, but the oil stopped flowing when there were no more pots left. Imagine if she had a little bit more faith and, and the story goes, man, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna have so many jars. Boys, I want you to get the jars. I want you to hire a trailer, get, do something. Get, bikes are useless. Let's go for a truck and let's get some jars from around the village and, and bring them in, okay? And, 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 and they end up with, you know, 2,103. 2,103 jars, pots, vessels. When would the oil stop flowing? Talk to me, come on. When would the oil have stopped flowing? After the 11th? Oh, so, what was it? 2,103. Two Who says that? Imagine, though, this scenario. Imagine she goes, man, I go to Ivy Church. Man, we've heard about faith. It's like a theme, and we're going to like, wow, it's like we're going to catch this theme. We're going to run with this thing, and we're going to, I'm going to ring Ben, going to ring Catherine, going to ring everybody I can. We're just going to get all, all the cars, Skoda's the lot, the whole deal. We're going we're gonna to bring them and going to get pots from all over. We're going we're gonna to go through Europe. We're going to get all these. We're gonna, in fact, we're going to have a jar convention. We're going to have a jar conference, and they end up getting like 11,002 Jars. When would the oil have stopped flowing? After the eleventh one? When would the oil have stopped flowing? After the what? The eleven thousandth and three two. Sorry, two jars. When there are no more jars left. So the question. We come back to the question. How much does God supply? How much does God really want to supply you? As much as you and I allow him to. That's not just a heavy deal. It's like, oh my goodness. No, no, just partner with God and see what he wants to do. See what he wants to say. See what he wants to fill you with. You have the Holy Spirit. You have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit living in you. How much does God want to supply? As much as you and I allow him to. How many churches does he want to plant in Europe particularly? The continent of Europe. As much as I'm believing God for. I won't see it, by the way, all in my lifetime. I don't have to. If you have a real vision, it'll never be achieved in your lifetime. Look at Abraham. Look at all the rest of them. Crazy. Oh, I'd like to see 70 or 80. Next year, we're starting a church planting training center right in the south of Holland, and, 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 and they, they only graduate, they fully graduate when they help plant a church. It's pretty exciting. 
I'm excited about it anyway. It hasn't started yet, but and we're starting to. We've got the place. We've got. I've got the teachers. We've, we've got the curriculum pretty well sussed. So it's just a matter of now figuring, uh, bringing the students in, and so so we can touch Belgium and France and Holland. I reckon Western Europe. How much does God want to supply you? As much as you and I allow Him to. How, how, much, how much food does God want to supply to this, this ministry? How many people does God want to say, as much as you and I allow him to, as much as you and I have faith for? And when you look at this, you, you just see this whole, this whole thing permeates with multiplication. It seems that God wants to multiply resources. He doesn't just want to add. He wants to multiply resources. It's simple to get jars. It's just a matter of getting them. It's simple. Yeah? Just hearing what he's saying and just going for it. Because she could have said, oh, let's just get, let's just stop at five jars, you know. And she didn't. She went on. By the way, desperation leads to miracles. How desperate are you to see what God has given you to multiply? You look at Abraham. It's like, it's like there's multiplication there. As many as the stars of the sky, sand on, on the seashore. I mean, Nehemiah, I mean, he needed workers. He couldn't build that wall by himself. He needed workers. He needed people. He needed fighters that were going to stand with him. What about Moses? Jethro gave him some good advice because Moses couldn't do it all. He said, uh, get, get, get people who would, who would you know, look after people of 1,000, a, a people of 100, people of uh, 50, people of 10, you know, so you can just multiply your yourself. Where do you need to multiply? Who do you, how, how can you see yourself multiplying? When Jesus speaks, I mean, the disciples uh, see the same. Paul, you see the same. Jesus in, in, in Matthew 13, uh, he talks about a seed. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. Yeast, it talks about the kingdom of heaven is like yeast, which permeates every part of the dough. That's multiplication, friends. Then he talks about a seed, you know, like 30, 60, 100 times. We know how many apples are on a tree, but we don't know how many seeds are on that apple tree from one seed. And that's what happens in nature. Imagine the whole of heaven behind it. Multiplication runs right through the Bible. Yeah. And you have, as I've said right at the beginning, who lives in you? Come on, who lives in you? Who lives in you? Jesus, God lives in you. You have actually a DNA of multiplication living in you. <laughs> you can't get away from it. That was a pain. Never mind. <laughs> See, because multiplication is in your DNA. How many people are you going to see come to Christ? How many people are you going to disciple? Just, and when I mean disciple, like just have a coffee. Or we're in England, have a cup of tea. And just talk, just talk to them about what God's talked to you about. Talk to them about what God's taught you. That's discipling. You don't need a program. It's about relationship. Yeah. Yeah. So I wonder how God wants to multiply that. That's all the disciples did. You have more resources. There's more resources in this room, as I said before, than the disciples had. And they touched their known world. Pretty cool. They were late teens. They're late teens. It's not how much you know. In fact, it's not how much you know that gets you to heaven. It's who you know. 
<laughs> this is Jesus. Amen. Could I have the musicians back? Gone over time, but could I have the musicians back? That would be great if they could come uh, and, and sing something of faith, some faith song. Third question. No pressure. Third question. Who does God use? He uses machinery, he uses computers, he uses technology, he uses buildings. Fantastic, we know that. You know the major resources? People. People, people, people. People, people, people like you and I. People. Throughout scripture, we, he, uses, he even uses people who mess up. So you, you think you've messed up. It's okay. God uses you. Like, like, look at some of them. Like, I mean, ordinary people. Like, like Samson. Well, he wasn't that ordinary. But, but, you know, like David. I mean, did you hear what David did? Murderer too. Yet God used David. It's not an excuse, by the way, to murder. It's just, it's like, it's, it's just like we mess up. It, God knows we're going to mess up. That's why he takes away our shame. That's why he takes away our sin. That's why he cleanses us. He doesn't just do a, a, a little wash over. He just cleanses us through and through. You're clean before God. In fact, you're holy. We're not separated. You're not separated from the world. That's not what holiness means. Holiness means you're separated to God. Wow, you're holy. You're a holy people. You're a holy people because God lives in you. He's cleaned you up. And, and yes, you're, you, you might fall. Yes you, you, yes, you might sin. But we can go to God and ask for forgiveness. In fact, if you're, if you're a human being, you'll probably sin. You'll probably mess up somewhere along the line. You're like, I mean, but God handles our humanity better than we do, friends. He handles me better than like, you know, have you met Ben? Just a joke there, isn't it? What about Abraham? Have you, have you, did you hear, see what Abraham? Have you heard what Abraham? He can play. That's great. It would be great if you could just play this synth or something, or I don't know, what, Beatles or something. We're near the, uh, whatever it is. Like, cool, man. We're near the Beatles in Liverpool. Fantastic. Anyway, so what, what about, what, what about, what about Abraham? Like, you, you hear what he did with his wives? With his wife? He gave him to another guy? Twice? Yeah, you want to read about that, man. It's crazy, crazy guys. Yeah, you want to give him a smack. What about Jonah? What about the woman at the well? <laughs> and yet she won a whole village. In fact, she went back to a whole village without any training, if you please. <laughs> what about the woman who's caught in adultery? He just says, go sin no more. He didn't say, go and, and, and join, you know, the disciples get some, uh, you need to get some training, you need to get some disciples. Don't, don't, don't sin anymore. God is amazing, gracious. Prostitutes, God uses. Peter, did you know Peter? Did, have you ever heard about Peter? Like he, he was called Satan. I don't know about you, but God's never called me Satan. Well, not that I know. Get behind me, Satan. And then he denied Christ. Not once. Not twice. I think he'd learn. Three times. 
What, what, what about, what about the despised, the downtrodden, the forgotten, the lonely, the lost, the sick, the, the no-name women that we just, we just read about? What about a little boy on the picnic? He uses a little boy, feeds over 10, 12,000 people with some fish and a few loaves, like a little boy's lunch. Imagine the story he's going to tell to his grandkids. What stories are you going to tell to your kids? What stories are you going to tell to your friends? What stories are you going to tell to your grandkids? If you live long enough, you'll have some. What about you? God wants, to, God wants to use people. He wants to use everyone in this room. Many of you say, oh, I'm not good enough. Who said you're a child of God. You're washed clean because God has washed you clean. It's not about you. It's about Him. Your sins aren't forgiven for your sake. Your sins are forgiven for His sake. That's what the Bible tells me anyway. It's not an excuse to sin. I'm just saying that your sins are forgiven for His sake. Don't accept second best. Young person, don't accept ever second best. So, Father, I just thank you for every person in this room right now. I just thank you for what you're doing. I thank you who you, who, who you are. You're the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And I'd like everybody to, to stand for a moment. And may, if, if, you've, if you've felt challenged with this message, I'd like you just to simply just raise your hand. Say, boy, I just need to take hold of this. You're, we talked about faith. Faith is an action step. I'd just like you to just raise your hand. If you've felt challenged or inspired by it, and said, boy, Holy, and I'm going to pray, Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit would remind us of this message. And not that you remember the words, but you remember that there's an impartation. There's a sense of God is, has in, in, impregnated you, if you like. God has infused you with His uh, the understanding, again, of faith and lifted it to another level. So, Lord, we just release that. I just thank you for every person who's raised their hand right now. And we ask you that this week and the weeks ahead, Holy Spirit, that you would remind them to be able to, to, be able to remember what you have spoken to them about what you have laid on their hearts and laid in their hearts in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray that in the name of Jesus. Bring it to their remembrance, I pray in Jesus' name. Just with every head bowed, every eye closed, I've talked, we've sung songs, and I've talked also about this Jesus who's forgiven me. 41 years ago, I, I received Christ. I asked Him to come into my life. I asked Him to forgive my sin. I repented. In other words, I turned around and I followed Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you've never asked Christ to come into your life. I'm not asking you to come out the front. All I'm going to do is just ask you to raise your hand and some of the leaders will get around you or make sure you see one of the leaders, Catherine, Ben, some of the others, uh, before you leave this place so they can just talk with you. They'll answer all your questions. They know everything. And so they'll answer all your questions or endeavor to. All right, and Pastor Anthony will remember. Will, will answer the rest when he gets back. So, so maybe uh, if, if you've never asked Christ to come into your life, and you say, Nick, I want to know this Jesus. I, I find myself here. That's not by accident, I believe. Uh, and, and you're saying, Nick, I want to know this Christ. I want to say yes to Him. 
I want to turn from my sin. If that's you by now, I'd like you to just raise your hand really high. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Just to give it privacy for a moment. It takes a bit of guts to do this. I'm not going to ask you to come out the front, but I am just going to ask you to raise your hand. If that's you, I'd like you to just raise your hand right now. Just raise your hand really high so I can see it and uh, we can just catch up afterwards. If that's you, just raise your hand really high. Just got another few seconds to go. I just want to make sure. I don't know, of course, I don't know everybody here, but I just want to give that opportunity because someone gave me that opportunity and that's what we do. This morning I was preaching in a church and about six or seven people said yes to Christ. When one of the leaders said, I don't think there's many other people here that don't know Christ, but there are six or seven who said yes to Christ. So maybe there's one or two here today. Maybe there's a few more. If that's you, just another few seconds. Just raise your hand really high so I can see it, if that's you. And uh, we'll catch up with you when the meeting closes. So Father, I just thank you for every person in this room. I just thank you. You know every story. desperate situations we talked about, we just commit that to you in Jesus' name. Where healing needs to take place in people's bodies, we declare your healing power to invade their bodies in Jesus' mighty name. Lord, that throat condition, we we say to that throat condition, in the name of Jesus, be healed. That fear of cancer, we say to that fear, be gone in the name of Jesus. The fears that there's someone here that has torments at night, not good dreams like our sister here, but someone has torments. And and Lord, we just resist that. We rebuke those torments over that person. Maybe just raise your hand, just every head, every eye closed for a moment and just raise your hand if that's you. You have torment, you have tormenting thoughts, particularly at night. When you're sleeping, you wake up and it's like this torment. Who's that person? Just raise your hand. Father, I just thank you. I just declare from this day on, the torments will cease. I'll get further and further. Uh, uh, be, Lord, those torments will cease in the name of Jesus. In fact, Lord, the, the term, torments will just turn into dreams. Drink God dreams, as we even heard about today. God dreams in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, we declare your healing power over that in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Lord, we honor you. We honor you. We bless you. We thank you for who you are. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's give thanks to our God for a moment. Let's just worship him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.